Amen. Amen. God is good. You know, in a little bit, a little while, we have uh, some Bible drillers that are going to go over to uh, uh, First Baptist Church in Salado, and they have a, a competition this afternoon, so I want you to be praying for them. And uh, I know that uh, I'm extremely proud, and I know you are too, of our, our kids that are, that are studying God's Word and learning how to use God's Word and rightly divide it. But um, I want you to focus in, even though you got this going on this afternoon, I want you to focus in for just a little bit, because we need to understand something, and I don't know that we fully do. We say it with our lips, but Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And, um, you know, it's amazing because we hear, we find ourselves on Palm Sunday, you know, uh, the Sunday before Easter. You know, and I, I would submit to you this morning that people these days, these days are, are into crowds. They like to crowd into places. You know, you think we, we eagerly celebrate or we protest at even the tiniest little invite. And, and I say that because we crowd into stadiums for baseball and football games. Um, we, we line the streets for parades on, on uh, Christmas and St. Patrick's Day and the 4th of July. We go where the crowds are. We jam into arenas for concerts. We fill orchestra halls for symphony. We flock to state fairs. We go to craft shows. We go to those places where there are people there. We, we storm the malls and the stores and, and, and look for those special shopping events. See, we love to be where the action is. We want to be around others. And for the most part, we love crowds. We think every crowd is making some sort of statement and that we ought to listen. And then it's interesting because TV reporters and media people, they, they, they go to the streets and they go to these public gatherings because they think that crowds, where the crowd is, there must be news. And so they cover that. And I would say that crowds many times reflect public opinion and in this country as with many nations public opinion seems to be king or so people think unfortunately in our world big crowds can become big problems and it can turn rather quickly I mean, in recent years, marches have turned violent. Marathons, bloody. Concerts have ended in mass shootings. Even riots breaking out. Political rallies many times turn ugly. Why? Because other crowds, new and angry mobs, with a different set of values want to make their statements and do their thing. And crowds today are often what I want to call fighting crowds. And bloodshed is on the streets. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
You see it and I see it. And we understand that. See, the problem is not restricted, though, to the steps of the capital. Think about this. Just move to the nearest middle or or high school campus. I mean, school grounds that used to be quiet and safe places where kids could learn how to grow with life. I mean, when I was a kid in school, problem students were those who talked out of turn. They were the ones who chewed gum in class. You know, they, they, they were the ones who maybe ran in the halls when they weren't supposed to. Or here's the big one. When they would cut in the cafeteria line. I mean, that was the worst. It was like, how dare you? I'm waiting in line for food and you're going to cut in line in front of me. Today, the problem's are with cell phones. They won't put them down. There's drugs, immoral relationships, guns, pregnancies, suicides. You know, many middle school and high schools seemed like they're camping grounds for rival gangs and warring tribes ready to attack the other. And these crowds are literally destroying young lives. Because some of the kids will do anything to belong to the right crowd. Whatever it takes. See, parents are learning that the wrong crowd can destroy your student. Some parents are trying to teach their kids, just say no to the crowd. See, that raises a a question for us here in America because a popular democracy, in a popular democracy, can a crowd be dangerous? I mean, our, our scripture today, our passage will help us with that. See, on the Christian calendar, Palm Sunday is about a crowd in the streets a long time ago. And like many of our celebrations... This crowd didn't change much of anything. With all the excitement, with all the shouting in the streets, Jesus did what he had to do. And the religious leaders who were there, who were against him, they did what they were determined to do. You see, just five days after the crowds were in the streets, Good Friday came. The skies grew dark. Jesus suffered on Calvary. And God hid his face from his son. See, Palm Sunday says to us, take crowds seriously, but not too seriously. Remember that the crowd is fickle. And never allow anyone to force you to be a part of a crowd Be man enough or woman enough to make your own decisions. Listen to the shouts from the street, but never ever sell your soul to a crowd. We need to hear that. Matthew chapter 21. I want to read verses 1 through 11. And if you have your Bible, uh, would you open it? If if you have your tablet, would you open it? 
however you receive the scripture, would you receive the word? Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 and following, it says, And when they approached Jerusalem and had come out of Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Most of the people spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. And the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Father, I ask that at this moment you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate our hearts. And Father, that you would show us where we need to come in line with you. Father, I pray that you would guide us in this. And Father, that your word would would have first place. Father, that, that as we focus on it, God... Jesus would come into focus in our lives. In his mighty name we pray. Amen. I mean, I want to make sure that we get this picture here in focus. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem and he's in the last days of his life and he plans to make a dramatic entry into the city to present himself to the people as the Jewish Messiah. And, you know, not the kind of Messiah, though, that the public opinion poll supported. They're yelling Hosanna, which means save us. Save us. Save us from the Romans. Save us from the religious leaders. Save us from all of these things. They're wanting him to save them. As the feast of the Passover was was drawing near, all of the males within a 25-mile radius of of Jerusalem were expected to attend this feast. But notice there was also thousands of pilgrims who were coming from other countries, and they were coming to celebrate. They were all streaming into the city at this time. And the city was looking for probably a million-plus people. 
to come in and, 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 and be there during the greatest event in the Jewish calendar. The Feast of Passover. Oh, what a grand occasion. What a wonderful thing. The, pe- the Feast of Passover. And Jesus could have chosen no better time. No better time to present himself to his people. But he's also fully aware that when he goes there, his enemies mean nothing but hostility for him. He knows that. So near Bethphage, just a a couple of miles, a crossroads, a a couple of miles from the city, he'd arranged for a donkey and and her colt to be brought to him. And when they arrived, his disciples laid their coats on top of the the colt to to make for him kind of a a makeshift saddle to sit on this colt. And on the colt, he headed into the city. And that's where he met the crowds. Notice I say crowds, plural. (laughs) There's more than one crowd in this crowd. Because according to Matthew's accounts of the events, there's at least three different distinguishable groups here. There was a crowd primarily from Galilee. They're in support of Jesus. Second, there was an angry crowd. Those who were against him. And third, there was what I want to call the hidden crowd. And I'm going to go ahead and call them that. They are the crowd of Jesus. See, Palm Sunday itself is mostly about this crowd that was from Galilee. Think about this crowd from Galilee. I mean, this is the mass of people on the road outside the city, coming into the city, who spread their coats in Jesus' path and they cut palm branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. And this is the crowd that is crying, Hosanna! Save us! Save us. Hail to the son of David. This is my palm branch, by the way. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're waving these palm branches and getting people's attention. And they're saying, save us. But these were mostly probably people from Galilee. These Galileans lining the road to Jerusalem were welcoming, if you will, their local hero. He's been in ministry there. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching to those. He has been doing all of these things. And and, and he's a local hero. Kind of like when small towns everywhere that form a parade when they win a state championship or or their, their war heroes come home. See, this crowd was a lot like the people in our society who find it easy to cheer for the popular one, when it's out in the, in the openness of outdoors. See, at a certain level, in their personal lives, those who make up this Galilean crowd, they had a deep respect for Jesus. They saw him heal people. They saw him feed people. They saw him touch people. They saw him do all of these things. They would have been offended. They would definitely have been offended, as many of us would today, if some kook came along 
and profess to be a Messiah. These Galileans were just common working folks. People who respected Jesus and on occasion, on this occasion, went to worship and to praise him. And they represent popular religious crowds of all sorts. Not fanatics. (laughs) Not extremists. Just good folks who are willing, some of them even eager, to wave a few palm branches for Jesus when it's convenient and when it's in style. I mean, with all the justifiable bad press religious extremists have managed to garner in recent years, most common folks still regard religion and God in high regard. The working people, they still believe in God. They they believe in Jesus Christ. Most of them believe that God loves them and that he is for them. And they look forward to heaven when they die. See, I have no doubt that most of the people in this crowd, this Galilean crowd, who are waving the palm branches on Sunday, were unspeakably depressed and distressed when they heard that Jesus was crucified on Friday. But when it was going down, where were they? Hosanna, save us! Hosanna, save us! He's on the cross. They're mocking him. See, I imagine that this group was probably still asleep in their beds. Their high praises were missing in the hour of crisis because with the late night arrest, put yourself in this time frame, With the late night arrest of Jesus and the overnight trial and conviction, by the time they got up and stirred about, got their coffee, got their breakfast, got the things going on, hey, did you hear? Jesus was already on the cross. What has just happened? The one who is going to save us. He's been crucified by the Romans. This happened while we were sleeping. What's going on? Do you think that we ought to be a bit guarded listening to the voice of the crowd in popularity? Just because the crowd is popular? See, this crowd, it pursues the celebrity. The popular hero does the popular thing. But the popular is often... Very superficial. It's fleeting. It's deceptive. Because listen, if everyone is for it, if everyone is doing it, if everyone says it's okay, you won't get caught, it probably isn't something a real follower of Jesus needs to be involved with. Someone has said that fame, fame is written in ice and eventually the sun comes out see it was Jesus himself 
in Matthew 7 who said the road to destruction is broad and crowded. The road to life is narrow and few people find it. See, it's enough to make you stop and think about what crowds and public opinion are doing to us. See, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he met another crowd. Verse 10 says, when he had entered into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And that truly is the pivotal question on Palm Sunday. Is Jesus the popular prophet from Galilee? Is he the one who is the gentle teacher who, who, uh, who gives common people the help and, and helps meet their needs? Or is he in fact a troublemaker who has come to the temple to spoil our celebration? Has he come to Jerusalem to interfere with the lives and question our favorite religious practices? You see, the city is bustling with people. But there's this other crowd, the angry crowd, the people who feared Jesus and they they saw him as a troublemaker. And some of these people would cry out on Friday morning, crucify him, crucify him. And by midday they would watch him die and they would scoff at his claims. (laughs) He saved others, now let him save himself. Come down from the cross, Jesus. But you see, the gospel story will not let us forget that mob that is before Pontius Pilate that is yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. I want you to understand something. Undisciplined crowds can be savage and vicious. Think about that the next time you hear somebody say, well, everybody else is doing it. And remember that 10,000 people telling a lie does not make it a truth. I mean, when the Nazi war machine crumbled and peace came to Europe after World War II, American authorities, they went out and they, they tried to understand the thinking of the German people. And they circulated a questionnaire in areas where, where they were uh, occupied and they were asking uh, 150, if you will, typical Germans to answer a set of questions promising absolute anonymity. Nobody, no repercussions, just say what you, you want to say here. And one of the questions was this. Who do you think was responsible for the outbreak of war? Number one, the German high command. Number two, the Nazi party leaders. Number three, the the German people as a whole. And number four, the allies. Who was responsible for this war? Out of 145 answers, 20 said the German high command. 123 said the Nazi party leaders. One responded the German people as a whole. And one responded... The allies were responsible for it. What they were saying is, it's not me. (laughs) It wasn't me that did this. It's not my fault. No responsibility. Do you see why I say 
Listen to the crowds in your life, but never ever sell your soul to them. Listen to them, but don't sell your soul to them. Because the ultimate thing is this. You are responsible for your life before God. Each one of us is responsible for our life to God, not to a popular or not to an angry crowd. We individually will be responsible to God. So we're here this Palm Sunday. Not to celebrate with the popular crowd or the angry crowd, but we're here to find ourselves in the hidden crowd. You really have to listen to this story to be careful that you hear from this hidden crowd because notice that the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus prepared for the ride into Jerusalem by setting it up ahead of time. He planned for someone to have a donkey and a colt ready for him. He had help in planning this triumphal entry. But notice too, that Matthew tells us this took place in order to fulfill prophecy. To fulfill prophecy, see, God had a hand in the joy and the agony of this event. God had a hand in it. The crowd we really ought to join this morning is that little company that began to gather a week after they discovered that their friend, who died so shamefully on Friday, (laughs) he was alive on Sunday. I mean, they they were distressed about it. And now he's alive. And oh, my my joy. This hidden crowd in this story, they they start this small gathering, but, but it grows in only seven weeks. To literally a company of thousands. When they hear that the crucified prophet from Galilee was in fact Lord of heaven and earth. Folks, that'll change your tune. That'll make a believer out of you. When you see the dead come back to life. When you see Jesus as Lord, you see Palm Sunday should mean to us, deep within our souls, that Jesus is Lord. He rides into our lives humbly on a colt. Sometimes with exciting shouts and sometimes with quiet solitude. But recognize he rides into our lives to take charge. He comes into our lives to take over. We're not the boss. They don't call you Lord. They call Jesus Lord. Because he's the boss. He's in charge. See, being a Christian who follows Jesus Through the streets means listening to the crowds, but never selling your soul to them. Because your soul and my soul belongs to God through our faith 
in Jesus Christ our Lord. So have you met the Lord yet? Have you met him? Do you know him as your Savior, as your Lord? And has he changed your life? I mean, have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you knelt before him and asked him that? Because if not, today is that day. Today is that day to acknowledge him as your Lord. He's passing by. He's the Savior. And the soul of every man and woman needs Jesus. You know, when we talk about repenting of our sin, we're talking about turning and going in a different direction and doing it no more. Repenting of your sin and turn to Him in faith, you need to understand that Jesus will not turn you away. He is touched by your sorrow. He is touched by your tears. Sometimes He weeps with us in our sorrow And other times he weeps over us in our sin. But if you don't realize that as a Christian, you're in the presence of Jesus today. If you don't realize that, there's not going to be a shout. There's not going to be the tears. There's not going to be the excitement in your spirit Because this service may just appear to you to be an exercise in religious activity. But here's the difference. When we know that Jesus is here, it changes everything. I cannot be the same. I can't continue life as it used to be. Because when Jesus is Lord, he transforms us. He transforms us. And all of our difficulties fade before him. All of our worries are dissolved in his glory. And folks, he is here. He is with us. See, for those of you who know him, I say, let us come and bow down before him. Let us bow before our Lord. Let us tell him how much we love him, how much we adore him, how much we thank him for bleeding out for us. See, We must never forget that Jesus is alive and he came for us. And his presence is with us. He is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because he was obedient to do what God asked him to do, God exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
You want to bring God glory today? Bow before him and confess Jesus as your Lord. Folks, this isn't a dress rehearsal. We are in his presence. Let's worship him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you every moment of every day. And Lord Jesus, it is, it is my joy to bow before you, to get on my knees before you, and recognize your lordship in my life. That I have been bought with a price. I am not my own. I belong to another. And Father, I pray that this morning that you would break our hearts with your Holy Spirit. That Father, we would willingly submit and bow our knees before the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That God, we would recognize your presence with us. Father, I pray for courage. I pray for humility. I ask, Father, that if there is a contrary spirit, that it would go now out of this place. Father, so that the Lord Jesus would inhabit the praises of his people. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our Savior and Lord. And it is our honor to honor you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.